criminal behaviorology, to assist the criminal and civil justice systems, to improve our society, a podcast like no other. Here is your host, Timothy Joseph. Glad to be back. I haven't been able to do any podcasts here on criminal behaviorology. I've been busy with a few important items. However, I did get a call recently. We say call. It's everything. All communication is electronic in one way or another nowadays. But I got a, uh, f- a message. Uh, Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, and they had a little get-together panel discussion with myself and two other panelists on ABA Beyond ASD. And the focus was on crime, delinquency, and forensics. So I got to be a part of that. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. And I've got it here for you. I, I hope to have another podcast out here fairly soon it's been uh it's just been kind of hit or miss lately but i'm still out here and i'm glad you're still out here as an audience so let's go ahead and get to the panel discussion and uh enjoy all right everyone hello um good afternoon good morning good evening wherever you're joining us from Um, Thank you for coming to our last panel in our ABA Beyond ASD series. So I will just go ahead and get started. And our topic today is uh, crime, delinquency, and forensics. So we have kind of a little agenda here. Um, I'll go through what the purpose of our series is. And if you've already attended one of these, you're probably familiar with kind of, you know, the format of our panel. Um, We have a pre-test um, and a post-test, um, and this will help us gauge um, what you all learn or know right prior to the panel and then following the panel, um, just so we can collect some data since we did receive funding from the Society for the Experimental Analysis of Behavior, so we're trying to, um, you know, measure some behavior change. Um, And then we'll get through our actual panel with our panelists. And at the end, we'll reserve some time if people have any questions. And um, if you are a student and are interested in pursuing um, a graduate degree, we also have a raffle for you um, to enter. um, And part of the funds that we received from um, the, um, the Society for the Experimental Analysis of Behavior was to uh, essentially pay for graduate application fees. Um, so if you're a student and you're interested in graduate school, um, I would encourage you to um, enter the raffle um, to see if you are selected. So the purpose of our ABA Beyond ASD series is to expose students at different levels, undergraduate and graduate levels, um, to the different applications of behavior analysis that goes outside of autism spectrum disorders um, and related developmental disabilities, because uh, the science of behavior has is and has done so many things outside of of these populations and these settings, and so um, we felt it was this was a nice opportunity to kind of um, disseminate that information. And so, um, not only that, but to introduce students or anyone who's attending to respective leaders in various subspecialties. So we've done different. Uh, panels so far. We started with, um, I think, clinical behavior analysis. We've done safety skills, um, um, sustainability. Uh, So we've covered different topics. And um, this series is headed by myself, uh, Dr. Natalia Byrus, um, as well as Dr. Leslie Schaller, who is here with us today. And then Dr. Williams Awadeha, um, who isn't here today, but um, we've all been working on um, setting these panels up. So we do have a pretest, um, and I believe Dr. Schaller will drop the link in the chat. Um, so if you could please pull out your phones, um, or if you would rather wait for the link in the chat um, to complete the pretest, um, we would really appreciate that so we can get some data. And 
And um, as I referred to before, there is a raffle for um, students who are in interested in having their graduate application fees um, essentially paid for, uh, for one application. And so um, we welcome you to enter into this. And at the end of the panel, um, we will announce the winner. All right, so now to the exciting stuff. Um, so we have three great panelists today here with us. Um, um, and I'll let them introduce themselves on the, our first question is for them to share a little bit about themselves, but we have some with us here today. Cody, please, if I mispronounce your name, please let me know. Wait, okay, perfect. And then uh, Tim, and so we're super excited to hear from them today about what they do outside of, you know, related to crime uh, forensics and delinquency and behavior analysis. So our first question, and I kind of have an order for for panelists. Our first question is to please share a little bit about yourself. Um, Summer, would you like to start us off? Yes, ma'am. So I am Summer. <clears throat> I currently work in a residential facility where all of my individuals are um, court-ordered for either short-term competency restoration or long-term competency restoration. Um, so I work with adolescents from as young as like seven to 18, and I have worked with adults, but I currently have an adolescent population. Great, thank you so much. Uh, Cody. Yeah, so just a quick overview of what I do. Um, I'm the Director of Education and Program Development, or vice, and I think now the Vice Chair of the uh, Forensic Behavior Analysis Special Interest Group from uh, ABAI. I'm currently also a clinician, um, and I have, I think, almost five years now volunteering in law enforcement. I'm a doctoral candidate and I have my master's from Arizona State in behavior analysis. Perfect. Thank you so much. And last but not least, Tim. Yes. Uh, lifelong interest in forensics. Uh, what do I do now? Well, I'm, I'm in a doctoral program uh, in applied behavior analysis where I'm trying to uh, work on projects to combine uh, uh, criminology, criminal justice with applied behavioral analysis. I work uh, as an online counselor, which is, uh, you know, obviously convenient now with the, with the somewhat erratic schedule I have. But I'm uh, also in the uh, Forensic Behavior Analysis Special Interest Group with ABAI. I'm the uh, public relations officer, and uh, I'm working on uh, several different projects, presentations in this uh, particular field, and I'm pleased to be in this one right now. Thank you very much. So with that, we'll pivot to um, our next question, which is how would, or what is crime delinquency and or uh, forensics, or how would you define these things, um, perhaps from the perspective of, of behavior science or behavior analysis? I have Cody first, if you wanna take a stab at this one. Yeah, me first. Um, I feel like this is more of Tim's uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, term terminology uh <laughs> those for those of you that don't know um i think prior to being changed to the forensic behavior analysis group uh i think it was called crime delinquency and forensics correct me if i'm wrong um but yeah so this was i think it was more provided for an operational definition but uh with the forensics uh i think it's more of that catchy and marketing type of area but speaking specifically to forensics I think today, even in um, if you look at forensic psychology, it's mostly all about the criminal court system and how psychology is used in determining kind of the competency to stand trial, which is also another one of Tim's uh, specialties. Sorry. But my focus is specifically on, on crime and kind of um, how crime actually occurs. And crime is just defined by the law. Those are kind of my definitions. Perfect. Thank you. Um, Tim? Yeah, that crime delinquency and or uh, forensic SIG uh, name, that was a little bit of a mouthful. So I think, it, I think it was this year we've just got forensic behavior analysis. But uh, to, to decide these different terms to uh, give operational uh, definitions, I, I would start out to say as far as behavioral science goes, there's quite a bit of literature out there covering these many different areas. Yeah. Sometimes people come across uh, this book uh, by Morris and Brockman as editors, Behavioral Approaches 
to crime and delinquency. It's a little bit of, it's from 1987. More has been written since then, but there's there's a good amount of literature covering uh, areas of contingency, contingency management in juvenile settings, in adult settings, for uh, dealing with domestic violence, um, and graffiti reduction in schools. So the, the broad nature of this uh, covers a lot of different areas, and there, it is nothing that is alien or outside the work of behavior analysts. It was it's very much inside uh, inside our wheelhouse. If you you go look through through this particular book on uh, one of the pages covering probation and parole, this was uh, from the '60s. It was written the best thing judges could do. Uh, would be to have trained psychologists, they said, devise and use suitable behavior therapy to extinguish the learned responses which lead to probationers into crime. So for, just from that quote way back in the 1960s, how uh, behavioral science and uh, criminality, delinquency, has uh, very much been part uh, part and parcel within the same field. So that's, uh, that's my uh, little brief explanation of the combination of the two areas. Thank you. And Summer? So with crime, delinquency, and forensics, this is typically where we see what's gone wrong um, and what we use to then like define and target our behaviors for our individuals to change. It gives us a starting point. What's gone wrong and what they've been placed with us for. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So our next question, and we'll start off with Tim, is within maybe this subspecialty or this area in behavior analysis, what populations do you typically work with or what settings do you typically work in? And to that, you know, kind of why do you like working in this area? Oh my, all these different settings. Now, if I, if I think back, I, I started out uh, perhaps my interest was uh, I started out, uh, I had to move into a small apartment for different circumstances, and then uh, the power got shut off for a winter storm, and then all I had in there was just uh, a flashlight, and I, I had a, uh, a uh, catalog of classes for John Jay College of Criminal Justice in the Forensic Psychology Program. And that was my only entertainment, but it, it was enough because all the different areas that it covers, psychology and law, uh, competency to stand trial, rehabilitation. So uh, for myself, I started actually working in the field uh, after I graduated uh, with a master's degree in 2000. In 2002, I worked in a forensic state hospital, which covered uh, uh, some of these same areas, and then course behavior problems within the hospital. I, I've worked in autism treatment where there has been some some connection there with those people that uh, some of which were on probation or parole themselves or were on sex offender registries or and other kinds of treatments. Uh, even as a counselor online, I've found a, a few cases where people need assistance. They uh, are working on particular behaviors they're working on uh, within the rulings of the court, probation, parole, and so forth. So uh, what do I like about the subspecialty? Well, what's not to like? I, I think it covers so many things. Uh, it, it was, I remember in the 90s and early 2000s, it, it was popular. There was a lot of stuff on TV, a lot of criminal profiling, which I've met people involved in that area. For me, it was just uh, forensic psychology in total, you know, the, the, the complete package and all the different areas we can work on. So I'll continue to work in this area, and Cody and I and some others have uh, got some other projects going where we'll be moving forward, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Great. Thank you. Summer, what populations do you typically work with or what settings, and why do you like working in this subspecialty? Um, I have only ever worked in long-term residential settings, um, and all of the individuals I have worked with are considered dual-diagnosed individuals. Uh, I really enjoy this setting because I have seen 
progress. A lot of my individuals that I've worked with have no um, like familial support or community support. So they come to us and we are the only support they have to like make change um, and then to see that change continue. Thank you. Uh, uh, Cody? Yeah, it really, I guess it depends um, like what type of hat I'm wearing that day. But being a clinician, my subspecialty in population is still adolescence. And I, I work in an outpatient center, so I still work with a lot of those. Um, we're also a nonprofit, so we work a lot with, um, like what Summer said, a lot of um, people that don't have those support systems and uh, maybe even fam familial support as well. Even um, we also get people that are on probation and parole as well. So court mandated, um, but try my tie to that with uh, behavior analysis is kind of more also my work with uh, law enforcement. And so in that setting, I work with all, all the populations from kids to adults and kind of like what Tim was saying and how I hop, um, got into it was just kind of through interest and honestly, just chance. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so this question we'll start off with summer. Is there any training or preparation that's needed um, or that maybe you're aware of um, to work in within this area or the subspecialty? Other so for I am in the state of Texas and the state of Texas doesn't currently require um, any behavioral training or like uh, the requirement of a BCBA yet, but they are moving in that direction that they see better progress um, from their individuals with that. So currently like that's I'm working towards finishing my BCBA to like, continue in the field. Thank you. Cody. So yeah, I can't say for sure that there is something out there yet that's created uh, for this need and specialty. But I can say for sure that there are in criminal justice and in traditional psychology, there are different trainings and different things that you can go and learn and attend in order to um, gain this type of knowledge. There's things like um, the ATAP, which is a, the Association for Threat Assessment Professionals. And then you have other people that have, uh, you know, d different, uh, types of trainings such as I think uh, statement profiling it's something that's not used here in the United States but it's used heavily in Europe and it's even used in the courts in Europe so there, there's definitely different types of trainings and depending on what you kind of want to get into um, there are experts in the field that I think that you can go and attend and make sure you get you know uh, supervised and go through adequate training in order to get these things Thanks. I, I don't think anything in the, uh, that the BACB uh, provides yet. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Right. I I uh, concur that the BACB is really not, uh, or organizations like that aren't providing uh, training for this specialty. But however, just any uh, in your education. Uh, areas of criminal justice, of law, uh, uh, clinical psychology, I think, is a good preparation, or even things like social work or, or other, uh, other degrees you could get, which uh, act as a supplement to, uh, to the area of uh, behavior analysis, including forensics. It, the, the good news is uh, maybe applied behavior analysis, ABA, is is a specific area that people learn. Behavior analysis is everywhere and it can be connected with any training that you that you can find and you can find a role within that that is useful. Okay, so our next question, we'll start with Cody is do you know of any specific uh, perhaps credentialing bodies um, to work in this subspecialty or in a specific kind of area in this subspecialty? Well, I think that's, um, it could be a double-edged sword on that, right? Because there, there really isn't. But like Tim was saying, there, there are in other fields such as law enforcement and forensics. And I think that's kind of where um, ABA is, like, is very open to, in um 
in this field, right? It's just about gathering that experience and gathering that knowledge. Um, I think something that um, is important is that we, I don't know if most behavior analysts see this as um, true, but so I'm going to use uh, Iwata and uh, Hanley, you know, people that are a lot bigger than me in the field where ABA is not supposed to be constrained by just working in um, a specific field. They, 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 there's a specific quote, I think, uh, most fields are distinguished by their emphasis on a particular clientele problem or setting, but ABA should be only constrained by its principles and its methods. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a very good quote. I have never heard of that quote. So thank you for sharing that. I I definitely uh, agree with that and uh, would, would think that perhaps others do too. Yeah. Um, Tim, do you have any to add here? For psychologists, you, you could look at the American Board of Forensic Psychology, of the, which w- would be a, a, a good probably a good addition to you have in your in your toolbox for specialization. Some of the programs, uh, getting back to training, some of the programs at the different universities have a connection with uh, their own criminal justice department, perhaps even with, with uh, law schools. So uh, you can probably find innovative ways to, to get training in this specific field. And I, I found a few more things online uh, over time where people can look up and, and get training. I've been a participant in some of those uh, areas, online webinars, which uh, can also, also be useful to the field. No Thank you. All right. Next question. And we'll start with Tim, which probably is, uh, you know, worked out nicely. Um, are there any prominent special interest groups or professional organizations within the subspecialty that people um, should consider looking into or joining? Well, that gives me an opportunity to plug our special interest group with ABAI, the Forensic Behavior Analysis. And I uh, I encourage anyone, if you can, I can put the link for our Facebook group. We're working on a, a little more professional uh, website. We have some resources on there, uh, a lot of the different literature, jobs that come up. Uh, we, we try and put them on the, on the Facebook link. And then every year at uh, the ABAI National Conference, International Conference, we have a, a business meeting and then we have a, usually end up doing some kind of a, of a workshop or a, a presentation there on behalf of our special interest group. Some of the other special interest groups at ABAI uh, might be of interest. There, there's one for, uh, for a, a social, uh, social improvement and there's a, f- a few other areas that uh, cover what's uh, best for society that also kind of probably provide some pretty good information, as well as the uh, history of uh, history of uh, applied behavior analysis, which is a good special interest group and has a lot of information on some of the work that's been done in the past in terms of programs in, in prisons and uh, other rehabilitation uh, methods that have been uh, applied uh, using uh, behavior analysis as a base. All right. Summer, any information here to share in relation to special interest groups or organizations? No, just that um, our local, like our state ABA association offers some, um, it is kind of limited, um, as forensics seems to be a newer avenue that ABA is trying to take on. So it is kind of interesting to hear Tim and Cody talk about all their interests in it. Right. Okay. And is that TexABA, the Texas Association for Behavior Analysis? Perfect. Okay. We'll be sure to include um, all of these links. We actually, I think I forgot to mention that we will have a resource page for um, whoever is watching. um, So you can access, you know, all these resources that our panelists are sharing. Cody, any information to add here? Yeah, no, I just want to just kind of reinforce what Tim was saying. Our Facebook group uh, is kind of it has a lot of information on those like such as jobs and other things uh, such as trainings and webinars i know there's some other people that that do that type of stuff but um if any of you guys also have any suggestions and how we can kind of continue to progress forensics into this field like summer was saying it's it's relatively new and we're hoping to be that prominent uh, interest group and create something for for 
um, from it. All right. So um, our next question, um, and I have Summer to kick us off here, is are there any mentorship or supervised field work uh, opportunities or any employment opportunities that you're aware of um, that people could look into um, in this subspecialty? Um, I do know, um, focus more on Texas because this is where I've been the last couple of years, but we have, I believe, eight residential facilities as well as several state hospitals that all are kind of moving in the direction of like forensics and ABA. Um, and they all offer different like entry levels depending on where you are like in your progression, um, as well as all the clinical supervision and field work. So like I was able to do all of my hours in supervision with my current caseload so that I was able to work in a field that I liked instead of in like a school or, or a place like that that wouldn't necessarily correlate because I do prefer working in the forensics instead of traditional clinical kind of settings yeah yes that's awesome i i feel like that's always kind of the hard part with going into outside of asd right so it's i'm so glad to hear that you were able to get that and hopefully right others could probably get that experience as well cody do you know of any supervised field work or mentorship or employment opportunities yeah, so i'll use my own i guess a uh, personal background on this because that, that was something I know I was looking for when I was going through my master's and looking for my clinical rotations and uh, practicum and stuff like that. I do know that there is one university out in, uh, I think it's Florida. I'm not entirely sure. So I'm sorry to them. <laughs> I, I met them recently at ABAI and they do some interesting work where they work with um, counselors and clinicians, but they do specifically behavior analysis, kind of like in that outpatient and inpatient um, center. So that, I feel like that is a very interesting. So maybe that could be a real um, supervision or field work emphasis that you can look into. But for those that don't have that ex exact specialty, what I did was I continued to follow my passion and my interests and try and just put things together. Um, so I joined my uh, or I, uh, local law enforcement and got a lot of volunteer experience and different uh, opportunities through that experience. So, well, some of the things that I was able to do was become a certified um, threat liaison officer and um, go on, uh, you know, do threat vulnerability assessments and threat assessments and um, even work with uh, the crisis intervention teams. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the crisis intervention teams are basically officers that respond to um, mental health calls and crisis calls. So just even being creative and doing things like that, if you have an interest in a specific area, maybe those are things that you can do. E even going to those of you that are interested in like death investigations or really working on that criminal profiling piece, you go into your morgue and seeing like what they kind of do. Cause I think that would really surprise you in, in our uh, current state and system that runs that. Thank you. Some definitely some good, some good advice there. Tim? Uh, if you are in the field of psychology, uh, one area is risk assessment uh, overall that can be some very good training in uh, what's called the HCR-20, and then there's some other versions of that for different kinds of, of risk. And also, if you can get training on, uh, on suicide risk uh, assessment and treatment, that can also be beneficial in a lot of different settings state hospitals, uh, jails, prisons, so forth. With what Summer had said, that's very promising about, uh, because I worked in a state hospital, and I, I don't know if, if, Summer, you had any difficulty getting a, that, that's a, a, often the problem that's reported to me is getting a supervisor that feels like this is within their scope of practice. And I don't know if you can speak to that is if did you feel like I, I was able in that setting to get a supervisor they felt it was in the scope of practice could provide me adequate supervision because if more people can do that I, I think that's a great benefit to BCBAs getting into the subspecialty. I think what is kind of unique about the facilities that I work for like through the health and human services is that they actually have created a role in the behavioral health department that is a clinical supervisor. So the 
who I had through my supervision hours, she's been at the facility for 15 years mm -hmm. um, and had worked with a very similar population and through the courts and the, our local law enforcement. So it was definitely a benefit to have like not only her experience with like the population, but also all the forensics. Well, that's excellent. That's uh, yeah, I think that might be a good model to go by. I got a call from a group in Illinois that were, uh, they were all BCBAs and, uh, the state had, uh, in six different counties wanted BCBAs to work with their, uh, juvenile justice, uh, ju juvenile justice department. Okay. Kind of something that developed all of a sudden. So you've got all these BCBAs now working there with juvenile justice, uh, attaining, uh, attaining uh, experience and that someday those same people will be able to be within their scope of practice and be able to provide supervision for up-and-coming BCBAs. So I, I, I hear things like that and I think it's very promising. Yeah, Summer, if you don't mind, I have kind of a follow-up question, just more so out of curiosity and maybe others might be wondering as well. So I, from what I understand, um, to get your field work hours, you can be supervised by a BCBA or a uh, a psychologist, but they have to have taken, right, like a certain test and behavior something. Um, was your supervisor a BCBA or were they a psychologist? No, my supervisor was a BCBA. Oh, okay. Okay. That, that's also great to know. Um, so, you know, things for people to look out for if they're interested in, in maybe finding something similar. So thank you. All right, so we're down to kind of our last two questions. Um, and I have Cody here that we'll start off with. So the question is, where do you see or where do you hope to see this subspecialty focusing on within behavior analysis? So for maybe people who are watching who are interested in pursuing a career in this area, where do you hope to see kind of crime, forensics, delinquency, and as it overlaps with behavior analysis, where do you hope to see it kind of go towards or, or morph into? I'll use kind of like um, OBM as an example. I'm, I'm hoping we can see a lot more of kind of maybe just even a certificate we can push out in the next few months and just have it be kind of follow that role and follow that model of how OBM was created because they I feel like they're a lot more successful right now at the moment in um, the current stage. And <laughs> I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, or um, that we're just trying to copy what they're doing, but you know, it, 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 it's something that, you know, that we, that we've seen to work. So might as well just follow that, but that, that doesn't mean that all the hard work is uh, subsided. So we still need to see uh, research being pushed out. And I think that's the first thing that needs to be done is good research and, um, showing that a behavior analysis makes a difference here. So I think that heavy focus on research at the moment is, is the specific, specific focus. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, um, in case anyone is not familiar, right, OBM stands for um, organizational behavior management, and that's a, an area where people work more with corporations and things like that. But those, those are great points. And especially with the research, I personally have not seen any much you know, in relation to research in this subspecialty. So um, I definitely hear you there. Tim, what are your thoughts for this question? Well, I'm in a complete agreement with Cody that there's just more research. I think OBM uh, is an excellent area, very ripe for some very good research to on top of what's already been done. For myself and my own efforts with some a modest degree of success with uh, competency to stand trial, competency to stand trial. A, a couple different, a couple different factors have to come into play. The person has to be able to work with their own attorney and be able to behave in a certain way in court for their own defense, and they have to be able to uh, understand the court terms and concepts that are going on uh, in the courtroom for their own benefit. If they don't have either of those two things, they're really at a huge disadvantage. So courts have decided, well, if you're found incompetent after a psychiatric or psychologist does a review, we need to have some kind of procedure in place where your trial is on hold, and then you will then uh, go through a process to uh, attain competency. What that exactly is, uh, is somewhat subject to debate. Is it simply 
psychiatric treatment to alleviate symptoms. The, the competency is to help the person at the time of their trial. That would be different than, say, something like insanity, which is a, an examination, a uh, much more difficult area, I think, an examination of what their mental state was at the time of the crime. So for my efforts uh, in competency to stand trial, I've done a little bit of work just with, uh, you know, with those with some uh, intellectual development problems about learning courtroom terms using some basic discrete trial training, uh, matching, tacting, intraverbal training, some success with uh, matching and tacting, intraverbal, a little bit, little bit shaky on there, and then a, a proposed uh, work uh, that I've have been in the been in the hopper for some time, but uh, it has to do with equivalence. Uh, stimulus equivalence, where you could have the the term, the picture, the the purpose, and go over those different areas in the same way that we we may train someone, adults or children, to learn family members' names, to learn uh, silverware, to learn all the things that we know we can teach. We're going to use the same techniques, just in different areas. So uh, uh, I I hope there's more research, there's more areas where it's applied. I hope uh, competency is then one of the areas that I think would be uh, would benefit quite a bit, uh, given the nature of it and given all that ABA has been able to do thus far. Perfect. And Summer? Um, so my, my hope for this, um, something that I hope to be able to be a part of, is that ABA does have a broader application for forensics because we know that behavior doesn't change without like a significant intervention or like a significant change of course um and as practitioners like we have that opportunity whether it's like working like adolescents or through probation or parole like things like that we have the chance to change the behavior or to teach the different techniques so that we're not seeing recidivism over and over and over mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like a a broad change i think that we can make yeah Definitely. That's definitely, I agree with you there. Definitely needed. All right. And then, so our last question, and we'll start with Tim. What advice do you have for students who want to pursue a career within the subspecialty or this area? Do not be limited by any anything negative. Lack of job openings, lack of uh, supervision, scope of practice, uh, I, I think just in the discussions we've had and uh, just maybe in the last couple of years, I see a lot more opportunities, but people can help make these opportunities with the remote learning uh, supervision, uh, I think it will be a, a real game changer to help people get into the fields they want to get into, find uh, work or research in the areas that they find interesting and can apply them um, maybe throughout the country, maybe throughout the world. So uh, in this day and age, we don't have to be limited by what you find on a a job board or what your professors specialized in. There's a lot of opportunity out there. So uh, in some ways, it can be kind of a tough road. I think Cody and I have seen that with the just with uh, the work we've tried to put together along with the other members of the special interest group but in other ways it, it can be a lot of a great opportunity it can be a lot of fun to branch off uh, into these new areas and, and at, at ABAI just going there at every year now there there is someone uh, presenting about work that they've done in criminal justice or rehabilitation or uh, or uh, safety for uh, children, families, family reunification. Uh, there's, some, there's a great book on that. I've uh, covered this in, in uh, uh, podcasts and other areas. So there's a lot of uh, good work that can be done out there, and there's no reason to be limited uh, simply because what you might see uh, at your own university or at BACB or anything like that. Good advice. Thank you. Summer? Um, I think the the advice I'd have is something that I wish somebody had given me early on would be that there's a lot of needs that I see um, in the fields and, and the work that I'm doing, and it can be discouraging that there aren't other people along that same track. Um, 
So like be that person. If you see the need, like be that person to find what resources are there or what resources you can offer um, or be part of. Like I, I'm really excited to learn more about what Tim and uh, they're doing on their special interest board because I didn't even know that that was a thing for <laughs> um, ABAI. So be that person, make sure there are resources for you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And then last but not least, Cody. Yeah, um, I think obviously with every, there's not a lot of opportunities, right? And it's hard, it, it's easy to get discouraged. And like Summer was saying, just be that person and pursue your your passions and your interests. So, you know, I didn't have any of those opportunities either. So, and if I was able to do it, I don't know if it's just because I'm hard-headed or something, right? If, if, I, if I'm able to do it, you can probably do it as well. And we see that with examples in like OBM and even behavior analysis with um, football, even. I, I remember listening to uh, a podcast by Matt's cart, um, and them talking about that football. And I thought that was really interesting. If, we, if, if, you know, if we believe that these behavior analytical principles are effective, then they should be effective in other fields. And it's all just about finding that passion. And I think a great one is, a great example is Professor Whitehead, right? He was talking about, there is no black scorpion falling on this table. If anyone kind of knows what that was about, right? That's Skinner's uh, verbal behavior book. It took him 20 years to uh, provide a response to that quote, but look at it now, right? There's verbal behavior, there's uh, re relational frame theory. He didn't let, um, he really believed in the principles and really believed in uh, behaviorism. So, and he continued to do it, but hey, this might be a long journey that we're here for. No, thank you. All right, so that brings us to the end of the questions we have for the panelists or kind of that we've organized for the panelists. Um, I think Dr. Schaller dropped the link to the post-test in the chat. Um, so if you completed the pre-test, please go ahead and complete the post-test. Um, and we do have uh, time left over. So if anyone from the audience has any questions, um, please feel welcome to unmute, send them in the chat or the Q&A to ask our panelists. So I'll kind of wait a, a minute or so and see if people have any questions. And if not, then we'll move to kind of closing things out here. Okay, I don't necessarily have a question, but Dr. Byrus knows me because I've been in her class. Um, and I actually work in forensics right now. I'm a rec therapist in, a, in Illinois in a state-run um, forensic mental health hospital. So I work with people 18 and above. My unit is a 25-bed UST unit, but we do have NGRIs on the other side of the building. We also have G2s and NNGs. So I am happy that more and more people are talking about ABA in forensics, because Dr. Byrus knows that is my passion. And I talk about it as much as possible to get the word out to everybody about it so that we can make a change in the mental health system in general. So thank you guys for this panel discussion today. It's nice. And Timothy, I do follow yours on Facebook and have for a while now. So very informative. So thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. All right. So I'm seeing things pop up in the chat. So Joseph, uh, will the link to Tim's Facebook group be provided on the research page that we will be provided with? Also, will this recording be available to all of us? Yes. So um, the resource page will be updated, which I'm not, I haven't looked at it for a while now, so I'm not sure what's um, updated or not, but it will be updated um, after today. And um, next week, probably on Monday, we will send out a recording to, uh, excuse me, a link to the recording um, so that you can access this recording as well as any of the other panels um, that we posted in this series. Emily, hey there, I'm from Canada and just wanted to say thank you and keep seeing you in, uh, in the Facebook group. Um, and then another question, do you all have any suggestions for research articles on ABA and forensic psychology and or the criminal justice system? Yeah, I'm going to cut in real quick because I know Tim's very excited to respond to this question. Um, but just some key terms that you guys can kind of use and look at um, because, it, right, the research really isn't um, 
placed in ABA articles. Uh, most of the research, like Tim was saying, was in forensics and law enforcement. But some terms you can go into is uh, criminal profiling, death investigations, investigative psychology, criminal investigative analysis, and forensic science. You, using those terms, you can find a lot of uh, research out there that actually do use a lot of behavioral analytical principles in order to um, you know, show that something's happening. And Cody knows me too well already, so uh, yeah, it's, that's uh, that's good information uh, there, Cody. And I, I, we have a lot of uh, we have several articles on that resources page. Uh, I just was looking at it, just the uh, the one that we turned in, uh, Natalie, about that. Yeah, so there's uh, several articles of uh, good research information on there that people can take a look at. Great, thank you. Yeah, I do see it. Yep, there's a good number of, of research articles on there. Yeah, tons of them. Thank you. And uh, different books as well, mm -hmm. podcasts. So yes, that, that has been updated since the last time I saw it. So thank you. Okay, any other questions? Let's see. Alondra, not to sound very criminal minds, but what are your thoughts on the FBI and the Behavioral Analysis Unit? How realistic is it to have a background in ABA and working in that field? You want to say something, don't you, Cody? You can say it. Uh, oh, well, uh, I, I would say uh, I, I think there actually is some benefit of our field in that area. I've had some involvement uh, in that. I'm not certain uh, that that is necessary. I've talked to some people actually from a few different countries, and, and their perspectives on it is quite a bit different. But the behavioral science, as they use the term, is probably a little bit different than, than how we would term a you know, three-term contingency and, and things of that nature. They're not really familiar with these concepts. There, there, is some, there is some overlap in certain areas, but it's often of a, uh, you know, a typology. They may have a behavior based on a certain perpetrator and then they'll see them as put them in that category. So it's a, I think they could benefit from ABA in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm not certain that those, uh, those kind of government institutions are familiar uh, with our, with our area of work. But Cody, if you have more to say about that, I'd be interested. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, I would say if you're focused on how realistic is it to actually have a background in ABA and then working in that field, I think focusing more on becoming a special agent is the most important part mm -hmm. in wanting in becoming someone that works with the behavioral analysis unit is becoming that special agent is probably the most important part. I don't think they would really care about the ABA background, not saying that it matters or it doesn't. I'm sure it helps, but uh, there's a lot of different types of people that are in that uh, realm that have a lot of different things to provide too. So if that's something you want to do, become a special agent. Thank you. All right. Any other questions before we wrap up here? Um, I have one. I just figured it would be easier to say it than type it. So I currently work in the probation department in a probation department for Arizona. And one of the things that I really struggle with is that I guess I'm going to call it the um, acceptance of ABA, so acceptance of a new thing into the department. I'm not a probation officer. My technical title is cognitive skills instructor, so I work with the clients to try and change the way they think and help them understand why they do the things they do. So I was just curious if you guys ever had experiences similar to that where you ran into that stone wall and people were not willing to accept it, and if so, how did you kind of approach that and navigate those waters? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um... <laughs> you move on as as simple as that that answer is um you you hit that stone wall you either try again or you uh move on i've definitely experienced that and just talking with tim about it too you know he's seen it i think everyone in this field will you'll you'll see it cuz not in probation, in a jail setting where we've tried to implement behavior plans that you may have a lot of bad behavior of people in segregation and to try and 
speak with the staff about, well, you know, your response to this, it, it may show that this is attention maintained. Uh, however, uh, once you do have success, uh, then, uh, then they really like it, at least for a while. And I think that's the same struggle that uh, the uh, behavior uh, analysts see with uh, parents, with schools, with hospitals. Uh, it's nothing new to our field that we're you know, only as big as our last hit, so to, so to speak. And uh, once they uh, see what we can do, every, every time we have a little bit of success, that's a step forward into being accepted uh, into these other settings. Yeah, he, he said it a lot better than I did. I, I'm trying to more focus on just resilience and get you know getting back up when you told them and being hard headed and going forward. Yeah, thank you all. And um, I'm in Arizona as well, so if you'd like to reach out to me, um, I'll put my email down. I would really appreciate that. It's a little lonely down here in Tucson with the whole behavior analysis thing. We're not really accepted outside of autism, so mm-hmm. <laughs> totally understand that. All right. Well, um, we're kind of almost at the end of our time here. So before we go, um, as I mentioned, this was a a series of panels and these were all the topics that we included across the year. And um, you'll you can access the recordings um, eventually this one um, on our YouTube page. And that's our uh, YouTube handle there. And um, you can also follow us on social media for the, the program that Dr. Schaller, Dr. Williams Awadeha and I are part of at um, Southern Illinois University. And finally, uh, a, a thanks to our panelists for sharing their time, um, their expertise, their knowledge, um, and their resources uh, you know, with us today. Um, and so I've included their uh, emails and I'm sorry, Cody, yours, I have it wrong on the slide, um, but I'll be sure to you know, maybe update that. Um, so yes, thank you so much to Summer, Cody and Tim for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you to everyone else here as well for joining us. Um, so that's kind of our, that's our panel for today. Um, Thank you all so much. Um, I wish you all a great weekend and hope you all take care. Criminal Behaviorology. Check us out on podomatic.com or anchor.fm. Please send questions, comments, and requests for transcripts to criminalbehaviorology at gmail.com.